people that tend to focus, their mind is more focused on what they hear than if you tell them that you appreciate them and they hear the words, and not only the words, but the tone of voice and the, the body language that you give it, they get it. And they, that really is meaningful to them. Visual people, while auditory may be helpful, they'd like to see it. Hey, you're listening to the Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to do this marriage thing and experience God in the process. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Let's get started. Good evening, brothers and sisters, and welcome to our monthly marriage enrichment webinar. Hope that your day is going really well so far. My apologies that I'm the one here that's doing the introduction today. Benji uh, Oyama is in Korea. He's attending a gun workshop there, uh, so couldn't tear himself away to be with us this evening. And Crescentia is tied up with family and other issues, so I'll be brief. Before we get to our speaker, I do have just a few brief announcements. We do have these marriage enrichment webinars every month on the third Thursday. Uh, the next one will be in September. September the 24th. So that's the third Thursday of the month, September 24th, make a note. And as usual, you will get reminders because you are registered for these webinars, so you'll get a reminder. The recordings of all of these webinars are on the bfm.familyfed.org website in case you want to re-listen to this evening's or any of the ones in the past. We've had these for a couple of years now, so there are a lot of really great recordings there. And if you go to the Family Fed website, click on Couple Care, the header is Couple Care, and under that tab, select Monthly Webinars, and then you'll get a list with all of the webinars there that you can listen at your leisure at any time. There are a couple of BFM announcements. There will be a Parents Matching Convocation in Los Angeles, September the 12th and 13th. So that's a parents matching convocation. If you are in the LA area or you can attend that, that'll be really great. We're expecting lots of people there. And in conjunction with that, on the Friday before, that's September 11th and 12th, there will be a matching advisor training. So we're really urging members who feel called to do some matching advisor work, very fulfilling and rewarding work. So if you feel called or you're just curious and you want to learn more about the matching process, you're welcome to attend the Matching Advisor training. And you have to register online ahead of time. So please go to the BFM website and you'll see all of the links there to sign up for that. Also in Atlanta, Georgia, there'll be a Parents Matching Education web um, on September 26th and 27th. The Parents Matching Education is a little bit different from the Parents Matching Convocation. A convocation will have all of the um, profiles of first and second generation candidates who are eligible for the matching. A parents matching education does not have the profiles, but so that's what will happen in Georgia, parents matching education. There will be online help for viewing and checking out and contacting potential candidates in Georgia. So that's September 26th and 27th. And the final announcement is the 24 plus retreat which is September 3rd to 6th coming up very soon. That'll be in Sonoma County, California. And we have these every year. They're very, very good for 24 plus. Generally, the feedback from those is very good. It's a retreat for 24 plus to get to know each other. Generally, they have in the back of their mind possible finding of a possible match or a matching relationship, but that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is just for young people, 24 plus to get to know each other. So those are the announcements. And now I would like to introduce Bento Leal. You probably all know Bento. It's 
tonight, his topic will be simple practices to nurture your relationship. Bento's a certified marriage and relationship educator. He's working full-time as a program specialist with Healthy Relationships California. That's a statewide nonprofit, non-sectarian organization. And in that role, he's taught marriage and relationship skills classes to more than 2,400 couples and singles at churches, family resource centers, community organizations, substance abuse recovery programs, county jails, federal prisons in California, mostly in the greater Bay Area. He's also conducted relationship skills instructor trainings at the Unification Theological Seminary in Barrytown in 2009 and UTS in New York City in 2011. Pendo has a BA in sociology from the California State University in Hayward, and he has a Master's of Religious Education degree from Unification Theological Seminary. He and Kimiko have been married since 1982 in the big Madison Square Garden, and they reside in his hometown in San Leandro, California, and they have three adult children. So Bento will field questions at the end of his presentation this evening, and you all know, I think, that you can type in your questions You'll see on your screen a place to type in the questions. Type them in. We'll read them out at the end of his presentation, and we'll do the very best that we can. We'll get Bento to answer those questions to the very best of his ability. So, Bento. All right. Well, thank you, John. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, and, and good evening, everybody. I'm out here in California, and you're elsewhere throughout, the, throughout our country. I've titled my webinar tonight as 10 Simple Practices to Nurture Your Relationship. And as John mentioned, I've been in this field for quite a while. I've taught many different kinds of courses. I've been in all kinds of settings, classes, different levels of adulthood from young adult to senior citizens. And across the board, I found both in the teaching that I've done and also the feedback that I've gotten from the couples and people I work with, as well as other curricula and other people, there's a lot of simple practices that can be done virtually immediately to nurture and enhance your relationship. And I've selected 10 tonight. So I, I want to be able to focus on that. And virtually all of these, you could actually implement like right now and or this coming week and really take your relationship, I believe, to a whole new level. Now, marriages, as in any relationship, they don't grow by accident. They blossom based on the nutrients they receive. For example, if you were to plant a garden of flowers and you put roses out there, dahlias, carnations, whatever you want to put, you can't just do the soil, plant the seeds, water it, and then walk away and a couple of months later come back and think that you've got a great garden. You have to take care of it. So I often will tell couples that even though the marriage may have started off right and you threw a lot of investment into the marriage to start it, that if you don't invest in it over time, then it can actually get as dry as a flower bed or any other kind of garden. So it's really important to pay attention and not take it for granted. Well, I planted the good seed, it should work. The sun is out there. Sometimes it rains, except here in California right now, but that it should just automatically grow. But the answer is they don't automatically grow. They take investment, and I would say daily investment to make your garden grow, your relationship. So here are 10 activities that I believe will help nurture your relationship. The first one is to express appreciations daily. These can be simple little things. And you might think, well, why should I have to say that? They should already know I feel that way. Well, yes and no. But you remove all doubt when you actually say it, when you actually express it. For example, 
honey, I really appreciate you for always supporting me or especially supporting me last week when I was okay. really having such a busy time at work. That's really expressing oh, something. Now, he might already think, well, she already knows how much I love and appreciate her. Maybe, myself. and pro probably, but to say it, it can be music to her ears. I really encourage her to continue to do that kind of support. She might say, hey, thanks for going on a walk with me after dinner this evening. You know, I had a long day and it just felt really nice to get out with you. So if they did go for a walk and she did feel that way, then it's nice for her to say that. These are ways, if you will, to sprinkle the water on your relationship and keep building it up. Thanks for making that delicious meal. It really hit the spot. Or, you know, I, I just, honey, I just want you to know how much I really appreciate how you help the kids with their homework, especially this evening when, when Johnny was having such a rough time. The way you were with him, it really inspired me. And if you're the husband and you've been doing that, or the wife who's been doing the homework, and you just hear that from your partner, it's just a little, an extra vote of confidence in your relationship. So expressing appreciations, and I would say daily, is really, really important. Even for the small little things. Even if you said the same thing the day before. You said, if you said it was a great dinner yesterday, hey, if it was a great dinner today, say it was a great dinner. I really love the way you fixed that. Those little things are very valuable. Sometimes it's especially important to appreciate the little things. We might think, well, we really want to express appreciation when it's been the big thing. The little thing, I don't know. Hey, the little things are just as important, maybe even more important, because usually there's a lot more little things that get done that are appreciation worthy than necessarily the big things that will come along. So even when you appreciate the little things, it tells your partner, wow, even that little thing was noticed by my spouse. I appreciate that. So the value of this is precious, and that's why I actually listed it as number one. In fact, Jack Canfield, and you may know him as one of the co-authors of, of the Chicken Soup book series, Chicken Soup of the Soul, etc. at jackcanfield.com, he talks about the three ways to express appreciation for a greater impact. And I encourage you to go to his website and check that out, jackcanfield.com. And he says that there's three kinds of appreciation. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but there's the auditory people like to hear appreciation. People that tend to focus, their mind is more focused on what they hear then if you tell them that you appreciate them and they hear the words, and not only the words, but the tone of voice and the, the body language that you give it, they get it. And they, that really is meaningful to them. Visual people, while auditory may be helpful, they'd like to see it. If you appreciate something, you might want to a little, put a little post-it note on the mirror. Honey, I really appreciate how you did this or that. And be specific, maybe flowers or some other kind of gesture to display your appreciation, not just say it. And kinesthetic people, and Jack Canfield says that his wife is more, as it says down there in the third paragraph, more of a kinesthetic person, that he says in the final line, the best way for me to express appreciation to her is with a hug, a kiss, or simply spending time with her. So in other words, appreciation in action. So appreciation by word, appreciation by something visible, or appreciation in action. These are ways to express. So you want to kind of know or learn what are the things that help your partner feel appreciated and the way that they like to feel appreciated. So it's so important that he, who is a very famous person, dedicated the whole area of how to express appreciation. So, and even this, I'm just so grateful you're my wife. I'm so grateful you're my husband. Now, you may have said that many times. You may have said that several days ago or a month ago, a year ago. But sometimes it's even valuable to say this kind of a thing. Honey, I just want to let you know 
I really appreciate it, especially if it just comes out of the blue. It's not like she did something or he did something right now and then you say it. But it's just like you're looking at them and you just say it. And it's just so valuable. So I'm going to ask you on the webinar, kind of rhetorically, what are some of the things you appreciate about your spouse? What do you do? And John, I talked with you earlier, Abel said, what are some of the things that you appreciate about Helen, for example? Well, I appreciate very much the fact that she loves me and that she supports me in some of my really wild, crazy ideas. Okay, that's <laughs> great. And so you can tell her that, and I'm, I'm sure you do. And, and the more specific what crazy idea you're talking about, the more specific you are, the better. Honey, I really appreciate how you support me on the stuff that I come up with, especially such and such and such. And that expression is, again, it's an encouragement to her. And actually, you're encouraging them to keep it up. They know, wow, I'm being rewarded for that. I guess he likes it or she likes it. I should keep doing it. So again, this simple to do, doesn't take a lot, but it's precious water for your relationship garden. The second thing is, I think, and I, I'm not necessarily ranking these in ranked order. I'm going to give 10, but I do think that expressing appreciations is something we can do in a heartbeat at any time. That's why I listed it number one, but they're not necessarily prioritized in terms of importance but practice empathic listening. Now, John had mentioned at the outset of this webinar that there are archived previous webinars, and I've done three previous ones. One is empathic awareness, empathic listening, and empathic speaking. Each one of those was a webinar. And if you're interested, particularly in this area, this one was its own webinar that lasted 50 minutes or an hour, including the Q&A, and a lot of good stuff there, I thought, especially with the audience participation but I'll just go into a few things here, but I encourage you to check that out. Empathic listening. Empathy means to feel into. Sympathy means to feel for somebody, especially if they've had a loss, you feel for them, I'm here for you. You send them a flower, you send them a card or something, but empathy means to feel into, try to get into their world. And the first thing about empathic listening is to quiet your mind and focus on the other person as they're speaking. Most of you have heard of Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the fifth habit is seek first to understand and then to be understood. So he says that most people listen with the intent to reply rather than to understand. In other words, I look like I'm listening to you, but I'm really waiting for where your lips to stop moving so I can say something. Well, waiting to speak is not really listening, especially if it's something that we might disagree on. Then while you're talking to me on your side of it and I have a different point of view, I'm formulating what I want to say and if I'm thinking about that, then I may be arguing against something that wasn't there because I wasn't listening correctly. And then you feel hurt and misunderstood. And then we're off to the races, not understanding each other. So the most important thing in empathic listening is quiet your mind as well as your mouth and focus on the other person as they're speaking. So again, don't think about what you're going to say, just listen. And then when you listen, listen fully and openly to what they're saying without prejudging, without qualifying, without preparing your retort to what they just said. Again, it's not about you right now, it's about them. So you're really giving them the gift of being there for them. And with one of my the trainers, we had a really good chat on this, and she's a religious person, and I said, you know, Mary, it's really like dying to yourself. No greater love than this than a woman lay down their life for their friend or for anybody. And in a sense, when you're listening with that kind of empathy, you're laying down your life right now. It's not about you. It's not about Bentolio. It's about the person you're listening to. You're trying to get into their world. This is really intentional listening. 
And it's really, some will call it active listening, power listening and world-class marriage, for example. But it's really adventurous listening. It's really going beyond the words you hear and into their world. And you want to listen through the words to the deeper thoughts and feelings that you sense from them. You've got to understand that feelings are not in sentence form. We feel feelings, but they're not named. They're not words. They're feelings. And so when I want to express how I feel, I take all of that that's going on, and I translate it into some handful of sentences or words packed together to try to communicate that. But if you only listen to the words, you're really just hearing a tip of the iceberg. You may get part of it, but there's you know 90% of the iceberg is underwater. But if you listen through the words and to my body language, and it's said that anywhere between 60 and 90% of communication is nonverbal, it's not the words, it's through the body language, tone of voice, atmospherics, and stuff like that. So when you listen with your whole self, your ears, your eyes, again, looking at the body language, tone of voice, listen through the words to really understand the speaker, then that's really empathic listening. Again, you really get out of your own skin and into their world. Another big point of empathic listening is don't interrupt them or finish their sentences while they're speaking. Really try to understand them, what they're saying. And if it's a really important topic, you might want to verify what you've heard by saying, okay, so you feel this, you feel that, rather than just nod your head to what they've said and they think you got it all and you may not have gotten it correctly. How would they know? They only saw you nod your head. So by being able to share back which the essence of what you heard, then it'll be very clear that you got it or didn't get it. And if, they, if you didn't get it, they'll be able to correct you and say, well, yeah, but it's not only that, it's more like this. So that's the value of saying back. So this part of communication skills, empathic listening, across the board in every curricula out there, this is really skill number one for any curricula, communication skills, or marriage or relationship skills program you'll come across. They may name it different things, active listening, empathic listening, power listening, etc. but it really is these kind of contents. So, for example, if I say, and John, let me just, I'll pick on you right now. If I'm the husband, and John, you're the wife, and I say, I come home and I say, man, I'm really under a lot of pressure at work with all the things they want me to do right now. It's been a crazy week. Now, your first instinct will want to comfort me, alleviate whatever pressure I have and say, honey, I'm sure you could do it. It'll pass. You're very qualified. Could you offload some of your stuff to a colleague? You'll want to be helpful. And so you may want to say some stuff like that. All well intended, but in the moment, that's not empathic listening. You want to connect with the feelings first before you offer any of that stuff. And so let me ask John here, what is he feeling right now? Name a feeling or one or more feelings that he might be feeling right now that you sense, John. Well, he's probably upset and pretty apparently frustrated. Okay. So upset, frustrated. So those kind of things, then the spouse, in this case, the wife can say, so you're feeling pretty overwhelmed right now. Are you feeling really upset with how much stuff is coming your way? And again, didn't provide any solution, any advice in a very accurate way, not necessarily comfort, just saying back. And he might say, yeah, it's been really, really rough. Now, the listener might think, well, I didn't do anything. I just basically connected. For that person speaking, that connection spoke volumes. And then it could be, if you have some idea, then after they felt understood and they feel connected to, then you might offer something like, have you thought about ways to offload some of the stuff you're doing? Then it's okay because they feel connected with. But at the outset, it's what's the feeling. Now, let's flip it over. Let's say the wife gets off the phone with her brother across country and the mother's out there and she says, oh, 
my mother's health is really getting worse. And the husband is hearing that, seeing her face, hearing that tone of voice. Then before he offers comfort as if his first instinct will be to say something like, honey, I, you know, she's got good doctors, your brother's out there. I'm guessing this will pass. He wants to encourage her. That's fine, but not yet. First, giving empathy is even more important in this moment, in this situation. So let me ask you again, John, if you're the husband hearing that from your wife, then just I'm going to ask you, name, name one or more of the feelings that you think she's feeling. Just, just name the feeling. What's she feeling? You know, she's probably very worried. Worried. And, and maybe afraid. Worried and afraid. So those are feelings he senses from her. Again, he's listening through the words to her deeper feelings. And so he might say, so honey, you're really worried about your mom. You're afraid she's really, this could really be a bad situation for her. And you'll know you did it right if she says, yeah, I, I just don't know what to do. Again, you didn't provide any solutions or anything. But in that moment, her heart is not alone. That's the big thing. She is feeling, you get me. You understand me. Honey, you're in my world. I feel embraced by that. So empathic listening actually says without saying, I really care about you and what you're dealing with. So I wanted to spend a few extra minutes on this particular one, as I did just now, because again, in the realm of communication skills, this is really job one. And I have found with couples that I've dealt with, many of whom in class, I teach in classroom settings. I'm not an MFT, marriage and family therapist, psychologist, counselor, whatever. I always do in classroom settings. I find that just learning and practicing this thing, in many cases, has solved a lot of problems in the couples. Because one of the things you'll constantly hear if you're in my shoes is, he doesn't listen to me. She doesn't listen to me. He really doesn't understand me. She doesn't understand me. Why? Because we want to be understood, but we're not doing the things to understand. And so these are ways that we can cross those bridges and, and really sew that relationship together. And that's why I see it as one of the other nutrients of watering our relationship garden and a very practical thing to do. So listen so your partner feels truly understood. The flip side of communication is how you express yourself. And this is very important. And again, I have a whole webinar on this. Empathic Speaking and Dialogue is the name of that webinar. It's on the archive. How to express in I messages. Some of you may be familiar with this. So especially when you're upset or concerned about something the other person has done. Instead of saying, you're so messy, why can't you put your stuff away? Which seems like a very honest, straightforward thing to do because the stuff is all over the place. The better way to say that or a way that's more easy to accept is an I message rather than an accusatory you message. You know, I'd really appreciate it if you put your stuff away. Or when you leave your stuff out like that, then I have to clean it up. And I really feel frustrated about that. I feel, I would like, rather than you're this or you're that. You see where that's going there? In a sense, they're both saying the same thing, but one is kind of accusatory, going to get defensive reaction and possibly rejection or retaliation. And the other one is more likely to be felt because you didn't finger point. So... Try to frame whatever you want to say, and I want, I would like, I wish, I feel. Again, iMessages express how you feel and are much easier to receive and respond to than a accusatory you messages. Obviously, if somebody were to tell you the accusatory, you'll clam up. Nobody wants to get stung, even if they know they're, the other person's right. They don't want to be treated like that, and they don't want to reward that kind of accusatory you with a behavior 
that will honor that because their thinking is, well, you're right, but if I do what you just said to me in an accusatory way, then you'll get the idea you can talk like that to me all the time and we're not going there. That ain't gonna happen. So it's in your best interest if you're the person wanting to deliver the iMessage, make it as acceptable as possible while being authentic to you, but make it so the other person doesn't feel stung and wanna retaliate or close up. So express an iMessages, again, a whole webinar on that. And I really see this as job number two in most communication skills classes out there. Job one is how to listen well. Job two is how to express yourself in a way that's authentic to you and has the best likelihood to be received by the other person, especially when there's something you're in disagreement about. This is another great way to water your relationship in your marriage relationship. Give love in their love language. Dr. Gary Chapman, most of you on the call have probably heard of his wonderful book that came out several years ago, The Five Love Languages. And he had counseled his Christian counselor who counseled couples for many, many years. And he found that whatever the topic was, many times it was because they were misfiring on how they gave and received love. And when the person would give love to the other and the other would say, I'm not feeling loved by you, the one who's been pouring out love is feeling, what are you talking about? I'm pouring it out all the time. In fact, they feel hurt. They feel misunderstood. Gee, I've been pouring it out. They don't even get it. They don't appreciate it. Well, heck with that. And then they start to close off on that. But what he found was, even though we're all human beings, we not only think differently from each other, but in this case, we tend to express and receive love differently from one another. That we have what he calls primary love languages. And I'm sure he, he probably started off with 10 or 20 and he whittled them down to probably a final five where he could whittle no further. But he came up with words of affirmation or a big one. Words of affirmation mean when you affirm somebody, you say positive things. I really like how you did that. Hey, congratulations on that speech you gave. Or you really did a super job on that. Those words mean a lot. Those are like trophies to that person. Music to their ears if they hear that. Quality time means quality time together, doing something. That means quality time intentionally being together, going for a walk, sitting down and having a chat, going out to lunch together, you know, whatever it is, it's our time. So quality time is often, is a very important love language. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with someone you love or leave a five-star review because the only way this podcast spreads around is through word of mouth. So a share or a review would go a long way and it only takes like 10 seconds to do. Thanks, back to the show. Acts of service. This person tends to like to express love. They like to receive love by having people help them with things. So they assume, well, then naturally, if I like to receive love by being helped, you probably like to receive love by being helped. That may or may not be true, but that's how they like to express love. It's through acts of service. Giving and receiving gifts is another thing. One of our daughters, she loves to give and receive gifts. And I used to think, well, there are higher and lower love languages. The real higher ones are the more internal ones, words of affirmation, quality time. But when you get to receiving gifts or physical touch, those are the more horizontal ones. Well, I couldn't be more wrong. My wife went out with that daughter to go when the daughter wanted to get a gift for a friend. And my wife probably would have spent 15 minutes getting something for some of her friends. But that daughter spent two hours in the mall going here, going there, thinking, you know, that, but maybe, mm, I don't know if that's quite them. I think I'm going to go here or there. Then my wife came back and said, boy, I have a whole nother, a whole new appreciation 
for the internal significance of having a love language of giving and receiving gifts. So again, these aren't ranked in any particular order of priority. So if a person is a gift person, don't think, well, they're just a horizontal person <laughs> or they're just into externals. The externals mean a lot, which meant that when we get a gift for that daughter, she's going to feel, she'll be able to smell whether or not we put our heart into it. So we pay extra attention on that. And physical touch can mean everything from a hug, a kiss, to sexual intercourse, to pat on the back, you know, whatever the physicality of the expression is, is big for that person. So these are the five love languages. And if you go to fivelovelanguages.com, and by the way, they can change over time. If you did a five love language, if you think you know what it was, you did it five years ago, you might be surprised if you do the same questionnaire right now, go online and click here where it says that their webinar, again, it's fivelovelanguages.com, whether you put the number five or type F-I-V-E, lovelanguages.com, there's a free online questionnaires, and you answer the questions, you press a button, and it tells you what your primary and secondary love language is. You do that, your spouse do that, and then you'll know your current love language, and this is a great opportunity to sit down and discuss with each other why you like to give and receive love that way what it means to you to do so and why it's important to you. And that will let the other person know not only is that your love language, but why it's important to you, the deeper reason for that. And that's how we can get closer together as a couple. By the way, do this with your children. Have them go online as well. And there's all there's five love language for your Very kids. Cute. There's different things. I encourage you to go to that fivelovelanguages.com. Again, simple thing. You could do that even tonight. Some of you, 9 o'clock, 9.30 on the East Coast, you can do it soon. Even if you think you know what it was two years ago, you might be surprised. Daily temperature reading is another great way to nurture a relationship. And this is something coined at, at Pairs.com, and they call themselves now a purpose-built families. You go to Pairs.com, and one of the things Seth Eisenberg and his team come up with there is the five steps of Pairs daily temperature reading. I don't do it exactly this way with my wife on a daily basis, but I know one of my buddies, colleagues up in Sacramento, Ed, he and his wife sit down on the couch. He says every evening and for five or seven minutes, they sit down and they go through this and they find that that's a really neat thing to do together to wrap up their day. The first one is express appreciation. So if you haven't done it during the day, this is the time to say, honey, I just want to let you know I really appreciate this or that. You can say that. And that would be a nice time to do it. New information would be if there's new information that came on the day. Oh, honey, I want to let you know that uh, two days from now, I have an appointment over here or uh, the doctor appointment is going to be on Wednesday, or whatever it is, new information that may come up, or I just heard that so-and-so is sick, that kind of thing. And so that's where you share new information with each other that will be helpful for the other person to know. Puzzles are when you're not sure about something. It could be, I noticed you were a little bit quiet this morning when we were having breakfast. Is there something on your mind? Is there something I said or did? And so that's where there's an uncertainty that you can discuss and flesh out if necessary. Concerns with recommendations could be anything from, you know, I just got the phone bill today and it's much higher than it should be. I don't know, if, do we have the right plan? Should we go higher, lower? Should we change? That's where you bring up concerns and even come with some recommendations. So, so you not only have the issue, but you can actually put something on the table to talk about and take it from there. Wishes, hopes, and dreams are, I hope that this month we can take one day off and, and go to Half Moon Bay or go to Coney Island or wherever people want to go for a day on a trip or plan a vacation or I really would like to finish that course. Those are the things you could do. So again, a daily temperature reading, 
how are we doing? What's our thermometer today? How are we doing individually and as a couple? That's, again, another wonderful thing. You can take those things right there. Of course, go to pairs.com, get even more information. But simple thing could be done right now to uh, make it a thing for your relationship. And by the way, I'm encouraging these things that I'm mentioning is not only five simple things to nurture a relationship, but five simple things to make into habits that you do regularly to keep your relationship watered and nurtured, not just one and done, okay? Another big thing is kind of a takeoff of the DTR, or daily temperature reading, is something to do each week. Now, my wife and I, every Saturday or Sunday, even though we've been talking during the week and maybe have a little sit down during the week, we will sit down on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and we will discuss, review the week, the highlights and lowlights of the past week, anything that was up or down, whatever it was, we'll discuss those things, and we pull out our daytime. I'm really old school. I have a handwritten daytimer. Some people out there have their phone, cell phone. Whatever it is that you have your calendars in, that's where you want to synchronize, okay, let's compare and discuss our schedules for the coming weeks. So we're on the same page. These are the things we're doing together. This is the thing you're going to be doing. That's the thing I'm going to be doing. So we can have each other in mind as we're thinking beyond. So even though it's in our individual day timers, it just helps us to be on the same collective page together. And I find that this is another great way, again, typically on a Saturday or Sunday, it's kind of end of the week, getting ready to start the new week. And before wait, Monday wait. even hits the ground, you've got a vision as to what you're both going to be doing that coming week. So again, it's another great thing to check in. It takes a handful of minutes, can easily to do. But I, again, another way to just keep mm -hmm. the juice flowing in your relationship. These kinds of so discussions keep you connected to each other as you work on so both there. your personal and your shared goals together. Here's another thing I think is extremely valuable. I know I found it valuable in our relationship, and that's to do a service project together. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Volunteer to help at a local organization and serve in a community. It can be doing something at your local church. It can be doing something at a local organization. And then afterward, discuss together what your experience was like. So my wife and I, it's my wife up there, who was kind of cold, I guess it was back a couple of months ago when it was a little bit chilly out. And there we are in, in East Oakland, having done some cleanup on the medium there. And a city councilman there in his area, he's got his team and volunteers going out every Saturday somewhere to do either cleanup or pulling the weeds in the median on the roadway or whatever it is for a few hours each Saturday morning. So my wife and I try to pick one Saturday a month when we go out there. It's like a 10-minute drive from where we live, 10, 15-minute drive, wherever it is in, in East Oakland. We leave our house in San Leandro, cross the border. We're right there. It's our Saturday morning service date together. We're side-by-side. Side, we're picking up trash. And then when it's done, we have lunch together. There may be a taco truck that we go to to have lunch. Or we come home. Or we get a hamburger together or whatever it is right away. And before 1 o'clock or even noon comes on Saturday morning, we've already done it. We've already done something we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And not only that, it was something beyond helping ourselves, it helped the community. And I think one beautiful thing to nurture a relationship, it's not only about us, it's how we fit into the next sphere, the next sphere, our church sphere, our community sphere, going out, out, out. It reminds us that our couple is not only for ourselves and our family, or even our own community, that it's beyond that. And it's just another beautiful thing to do. A little, a little special thing I found here, by the way, is I go to some of these neighborhoods that are really trashed out and stuff all over the place. And, and I wonder, there's cups right here. The person's, their doorstep is like five feet away. Why can't you get out and pick this up? 
you know, I'm thinking like that. I'm picking up this stuff when I was first starting to do this. And I'm kind of cussing under my breath. Ah, oh, these pigs, what's going on here? And then I realized, hey, wait a minute. I'm going out there to clean up trash, but I'm leaving more negativity than the trash I'm picking up. I'm, I'm making this place worse. Then I changed my mind completely. Instead of picking up trash and complaining about the people that dropped it there, I thank the trash for being there. And here's why. Because every time I pick up the piece of trash now, I tell myself, and I don't care what size of piece of trash it is, I say under my breath, or even loud, thank you. I pick it up and I say thank you. Why do I do that? Because I'm picking up the trash, I'm helping the community, but the trash is on the street. And when I pick up that trash, it's the street using that trash to pick up more unselfishness and trash out of me. <laughs> so I say thank you for another opportunity to remove some of my junk inside of me. So thank you, street. If this trash wasn't here, I wouldn't been able to unload that stuff. So now I go out there with appreciation saying, bring on the trash. As far as I'm concerned, it's a blessing. That mind change is valuable. Those are the kinds of things that we could share as a couple. And we meet nice people like Luis here, Ortega, who works with the councilman, and he's got his banners out there. And it's a fun thing to do. Now, we have that in our area, but you might say, well, I don't know if I got something like that in my area. Well, you can go to Google, type in local volunteer opportunities. And your search engine will know where you're at, area code and all that, or zip code, and it will come up with stuff in your neighborhood. And you will be surprised. Here there's volunteermatch.org. I think they're everywhere. Createthegood.org. This is stuff I just typed in my own Google here in the Bay Area. And you might find something that's a match for you. It might be tutoring some kids in the afternoon. It might be helping like I do. Again, we do on a Saturday morning. Or it just might be you and your wife saying, well, there ain't no organization out there, but let's just grab some garbage bags and go up and down the street or near that park over there and clean up. Clean up. Let's do it for an hour. No muss, no fuss. And say a prayer. Do it. Come back. Talk about it. Have lunch together. Great date. Something you can do. And by the way, when I take those pictures, I share them with my kids. I say, wow. Then the mom and dad are out on a date. There they are picking up trash again. They laugh. But, you know, they get a picture of, hmm, nice date. Another great thing you can do to nurture your relationship is to attend a marriage or relationship education class. This is a class that a couple of instructors did over at a church here in Alameda County, where we are, with the organization I work for. But, you know, attending a class like this is really, really powerful, where you can learn the skills. You see a model, the skills taught in class, modeled in class by the instructor. You practice in class. Before you leave the classroom, you've already done it. You've already practiced it. My experience has been if you don't practice it in the class, you're certainly not going to be able to know how to do it when you get back home. So I really, really encourage take a marriage and relationship education class. Our organization, Healthy Relationships California, encourages people at least once a year go to this, even if you did it last year. Again, nurturing your relationship. You can go to Google and type in relationship education classes or marriage education classes. You might be surprised what you find. If you're in California, you can go to relationshipca.org. That's the website of Healthy Relationships California. By the way, that's my back there looking at you. Nice. <laughs> on a class I did at Fresno many years ago. But click on classes in the menu bar, and it'll open up and tell you what classes are currently scheduled. Once a class is scheduled, we take it off because we don't want people trying to get into a class that's already in motion. Some classes are Saturday, two Saturdays, eight Thursday evenings from seven till nine, whatever may be available in your community. But I encourage you 
to check out those kind of things. Learn and practice the skills that will grow and strengthen your relationship. Another great thing to do is to study available resources that are out there. Study and discuss available resources that are out there as a couple. There's tons of stuff. Go to healthymarriageinfo.org. This was funded by the Federal Government Administration for Children and Family of Health and Human Services. It's a great website. They've got resources there. You can check out. Here's another organization, twoofus.org. Great resources there. And there's books available. Some of you are aware of this great book, Real Love and Marriage. Take off on the original book by Dr. Greg Baer, Real Love. And it's excellent. I know several of our church members around here were doing a book club on that. Some of you have already read that. So if you haven't, it's a wonderful book to get and read and even maybe get into a small group to discuss. Similarly, World Class Marriage is a wonderful book. I teach this course out here. It's written by two of my colleagues, Patty Howell and Ralph Jones, married couple. And it's a wonderful book. For more, go to Google and again, type in healthy marriage or healthy relationships and you'll find more resources. I also want to put in a plug for one of our Unification Sisters, Debbie Gullery. She came out with this wonderful book. It's what, a hundred and, what do we got here? 155 pages, 1295. Go to Amazon.com. Her book's name is Small Steps to Bigger Love. And I love this, A Practical Guide to Marriage as a Spiritual Practice. Who'd have thunk that as we work on our relationship to make a happy marriage, it's also growing my spirit and growing yours and growing ours together. So it's a spiritual practice that we get. So she really gets into that. She covers a lot of good ground here. And she actually has several pages for small group study guide in the back. So it's a fabulous book, well-priced. Get this book. So Small Steps to Bigger Love by Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, Dullery. And uh, you'll love this book. All right? So that's one thing there. Then finally, and again, it's not listed in priority. Actually, we do this first each morning. My wife and I read God's words together. Talk about water for your soul and for your relationship. Start your day in prayer together and study of God's words together. If you can do it at five or six in the morning, wonderful. Whenever you can do it, do it. If you can do it together and not only read and then close the book and put it away and get on about your day, but if you could spend a minute to say, what do you think was the highlight of what we read this morning? The more you can make relevant to your life today and this week what you read of a historical word, then it means it's a living word and not just something that's ancient or past tense. So keep the word alive by having it coming fresh out of your mouth today and living it today. Try to incorporate it today. And of course, attend Sunday service together is a wonderful thing to do to strengthen your marriage and also strengthen your relationship with community, see your brothers and sisters, etc. So whether the Holy Bible, the Divine Principle, or Chun Sung Gyeong, a collection of Reverend Moon's, Sun Myung Moon's words and sermons and speeches and other holy books that you would like to read and study together. These things edify your spirit and bring yourselves together. The more you lift up your relationships, if you are vertically or spiritually, then just as if you had two blocks of wood tied together with a string, you lift the string up in the middle, those, those blocks of wood tend to come together. Lifting ourselves up brings us tighter together. So these are the things I wanted to mention this evening. Ten simple practices to nurture your relationship. Yeah, so Express I'll appreciations be, daily if possible. Empathic listening to really understand the other person. Express yourself in I messages, particularly if it's something you're upset or concerned about. Give love in their love language, so you want to know what that love language is first. Daily temperature reading, 
I mentioned weekly review and plans and plot your day timers and, and get ready for the week. Do a service project together. I, I love this part. Fresh air, outdoor, helping others date. Can't beat that. Attend a marriage relationship education class together. Study available resources that are out there. And again, the steady underpinning, ultimate nutrient of reading and discussing, studying God's words together and try to live it. So I've done all the talking so far. We have 10 plus minutes remaining. And I'd like to now turn it back to John. John Abelseth here. Are there any questions or comments on any of this? Thank you, Bento. Bento, I always learn so much from you every single time I listen. So I really appreciate your wisdom and your guidance this evening. Wonderful. And brothers and sisters, as Bento pointed out, on the BFM website are the recordings of his webinars, the other two that he's given so far over the past year and a half. This will be the third one or the fourth one? Yeah, this is number four. Empathic awareness, empathic listening, and empathic speaking and dialogue. Those three are there. That's good. So they're all there. You can listen to them at your leisure. I also want to point out that Debbie Gullery's book is available on the BFM website. There is a link there which will take you to Amazon and you can buy it right from the BFM website. So highly recommended. Debbie has a lot of wisdom and I'm looking forward to reading it. Mine's on the way. It's coming. It'll be here soon. So if you have questions, please type them in. We do have a request for a little bit more information on DTR. Yeah, DTR. Go to pairs, P-A-I-R-S dot com. That will take you there. You might even be able just to type in that Google and it might even throw you to their exact page there. Daily temperature reading at Google and it might take you right to that page at pairs.com. But it's really something, uh, they coined the terminology, that's why I'm going to give them a credit for that. Daily temperature reading. Are there any other questions? Once again, type in any question that you may have and Bento will do his very best to answer or reply. And once again, this webinar will be available. It'll be uploaded onto the BFN website so that you can listen anytime at all. So, Bento, we don't have any further questions at this point. That's fine. Brothers and sisters, we do have some, some expressions of gratitude. Well, hey, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for that. And, and I just want to say, there's, there's my lovely wife there. That's why I'm smiling, okay? So best wishes as you grow your relationship. And I want to make sure everybody can have my email address. It's bentoleal49, as in 1949 at gmail.com and you can email me your questions on anything we covered today. I'd also like to hear anything that you've done that is really helpful. If you've done a service project that you think is great or something you like to do or something you've read, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Bento. Now I know why you're so handsome and you look so young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I tell my wife, I tell my wife, I say, honey, if you look so young, must be all the love you're getting. And if I look so old, then you need to step it up a little bit. Uh, there you go. Good <laughs> advice. There is, there is another question here. Yeah. Do you have advice for couples if only one person is interested in marriage enrichment? There's a good question. Thank you for that question. I get asked that sometimes, actually often, that's a, that's a question out there. The research on this is clear. It's not just my thinking. If even one person learns and practices the communication skills, it actually can affect the relationship even if the other person has no clue about what that is. But if you start listening with empathy, if you think before you speak and you use I messages, if you start expressing appreciations, doing some of the things that I mentioned this evening, it actually sets a tone of what you'll do. And the answer is yes. If even one person 
is interested to attend these, these kind of classes, that works well. In fact, when I teach classes, in many, many cases, it's only one of the parents that can come. Either the other person is working or they might not be interested, or they may be home with the kids and there's no childcare, so one person is coming. Quite often, at least half the room only has a single attendee, even if they're married to somebody, but it helps a lot, yeah. One person makes a difference, even in a relationship, yeah. Thank you, Bento. Yeah, and I just want to say again, I know our time is drawing to a close, but I, as you can tell, I love this work. I'm glad it's my job. I actually get paid to do these classes. I'm surprised. But I've found whether I'm in jail, working with the most hardened people. And by the way, it doesn't take much to get thrown in jail. <laughs> you just make one decision wrong and you're in there. So it's not just all the you know, scar-faced people that are incarcerated. There's a lot of people like you in there. But I found that regardless of the socioeconomics of it all or where they came from, when you practice listening with empathy, it's transformative. People feel, wow. When you express appreciations, I don't know anybody out there that says, no, I don't like appreciations. We're all human beings. And I found that these kinds of skills neutralize the playing field. It kind of removes barriers and creates an opportunity for human-to-human, heart-to-heart contact. And I really feel, to use our unification language, Tribal messiahship is about connecting to the heart of the other person such that they really feel loved through that connection. And whatever else you can do on top of that is is bonus material. But when people feel understood and cared for, wow. I've had people tell me I've never felt listened to like that in my life. And I may have met that person 15 minutes ago. Guys in jail will tell me that. Hardened guys. Nobody's ever listened to me like that. And my heart goes out because, wow, no wonder life's been so rough. So anyway, <laughs> enough of me. But thank you and God bless you. And I wish you the best in your relationship and uh, keep nurturing your relationship every day. God bless you, Bento. Great advice. We really appreciate it. Okay. Have Take a good care. evening, brothers and sisters. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you all. Good night. Good night. Hey, if you want to improve your relationship or take your sex life to the next level, well, you're in luck because more than 70% of couples that take our Love and Integrity course said that the quality of their sexual relationship improved after joining the course. Sounds good? You can join the program today with your spouse or just take the course by yourself at loveandintegrity.com. See you in the next episode.